Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Back in the Lifeboat, a podcast where we watch and recap every episode of the series Timeless. I'm Helen, and I'm here with my co-host, Heather. Hey, guys. And today we're covering season one, episode three, Atomic City. So in case this is your first time with us, first of all, welcome. We're so glad you could join us. And here's what we do. Uh, we're going to start with a brief overview of the episode before we really, really dive into it. Uh, of course, we'll have our history minute, which, let's face it, is usually longer than a minute, uh, though it might be hopefully a little bit shorter this time. Uh, and so in our history minute, we'll talk about what really happened uh, at the date the time team jumps back to or who the historical people actually were and their lives and whatnot. And finally, we'll finish with our overall thoughts and Heather's theories for what comes next. So last week we did something new. Uh, you might have seen a poll we sent out on our socials. And so we were thinking that every week we're going to ask you a question. And last week, the question was, do you believe in fate or destiny? We didn't get a whole lot of answers, but it seems like people basically said no. <laughs> uh, which it I tend, I personally, I tend to agree with because it's, I find that it's easier to believe that you have some kind of choice and not everything's yeah, written down for like you a, already. Yeah, like the idea of, uh, you know, the what's the quote? I'm the captain of my fate or something. That's not the right quote. Uh, no, but I it'll see come to me mean, at the yeah. end of the episode. <laughs> but yeah, basically um, you have some yeah, kind just, of, you have control over what's going on in your own life. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was it. Uh, so stay tuned for the end of the episode, but we'll ask you another question uh, in relation to today's episode. And really, there's no right or wrong answers. We just want to hear from you and what you think about those moments in the show. So yeah. Oh, it's I'm the master of my fate and I'm the captain of my soul. That's the Where's quote. that from? <laughs> it's a, I think it's a poem. I can't I, tell you the author. I like it though. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty well known quote, but I couldn't tell you uh, the author of the poem. I know it's a poem. A few moments later. By William Ernest Henley. Uh, the poem's Invictus. That's the poem. Okay. That's good to know. It's a good quote. Very much in tune with the show. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's get back in the lifeboat. So, as I said previously, uh, the title of this episode is Atomic City. So the episode description that I found on Rotten Tomato Tomatoes, um, I'm not sure I really liked it, but uh, here it is. Flynn and the team are on the run with the era's most infamous mistress in 1962 Las Vegas. Rufus meets an old mentor who may have dark motives. Lucy's personal life starts to crumble. Wyatt tries to change history. Which I find 
a little misleading in some ways. Yeah. Because, like, Rufus meets an old mentor. Like, it's not really he meets him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's more that he finds him in time. I feel like it's... A, the Wyatt tries to change history. That one's like, accurate. It, yes, but, it, like, the way... And, I mean, that's purposeful, I, I'm assuming. It sounds, like, so much nefarious than it actually is um yeah and also like lucy's personal life starts to crumble i mean not, not any more than it has in the last episode exactly like if anything that's probably the most stable time of her personal life but okay yeah i mean as far Even as if she doesn't know her fiance you, exactly uh, hey honestly she could have done worse okay true uh, so this episode uh, originally aired on October 17th, uh, 2016, which, uh, I mean, we're only on episode three, but so far it's been a normal run, like once a week. Uh, this episode was written by Lana Cho, which, and this is the first of three episodes she'll write, including two of them in season one. Uh, other projects she's done some writing on include uh four episodes of the season one of arrow as well as greek and the tv show minority report which i vaguely remember seeing i don't think it went past season one i never watched i watched the movie uh way back when that came out but i haven't watched the tv show i remember liking the movie i have no idea if i like the tv show at all or not um but yeah and I like Arrow. Uh, I like the beginning of Arrow. After a while it kind of gets a little much. Yeah. I, I went into Legends after that. Like I kind of stopped watching Arrow in the Flash and just watched Legends. So I watched some Arrow. I watched some of the Flash. I've I haven't been to Legend of Tomorrow. Oh, you like should. it if you like this show. <laughs> They time travel. Oh. So maybe I will then. It's not like I have a uh, watch list uh, three miles long. A mile long. Oh, three yeah. miles at this point. It's like hundreds of shows that I want to watch. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, this episode is directed by Charles Beeson. I guess that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty seasonary was unfortunately passed away uh, in April 2021. Uh, yeah, he was a pretty seasoned producer. Uh, like his first producing credits went back as far as the early 90s. Uh, a lot of episodes of EastEnders, which uh, if I remember well, is like a British yeah, um, soap opera yeah. sitcom. I think the, uh, the guy who played Chuck on Pacific Rim was in that show, but there's a, actually, a, it's been a long-running show, I think, so quite a few people have been in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's it's, the only one I can I, I feel like it's it's kind of the, the British equivalent of, um, like, The Young and the Restless or that type of show. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Sort of. Um, he also works, so Charles Beeson also worked on The Mentalist, and most notably, uh, he worked with Creepkey already on Revolution and Supernatural, so that's there's a lot of overlap on those which makes sense since you know they're all with the same people yeah yeah everybody kind of works together eventually yeah 
he directed like another episode of Timeless in season one, other than this one. I forgot which one, but we'll get there eventually. So that was our episode of review, and now I'm going to give it back to you, Heather, to start the breakdown of this episode. All right. So looking at our previously on that they give us, we see we're reminded that Lucy's mom was sick and she had a sister named Amy and that Flynn stole the mother- mothership. And in the process, Mason pointed out that he went straight for Anthony to kidnap him. Uh, Christopher introduced Lucy and Wyatt to Mason Industries and the time machine and that it was stolen, but they still have the lifeboat, which is what they've been using to travel. Um, we see them kind of going back in history and witnessing all these things between the Hindenburg and Abraham Lincoln's assassination. And then we see Flynn telling Lucy to ask about Rittenhouse and why she was chosen for the mission. And when they return, she points out that Flynn changed history and they don't know what yet. But then we find out that it's changed for the fact that her mother is now well and she's engaged. And as far as we know, no sister in the preview. So um, we know, obviously, Amy is missing and that's one of Lucy's goals is to get her back. But starting in with the episode, um, we have kind of a morning after scene between Lucy and her as yet unnamed fiance that uh, we assume she slept on the couch because she didn't go to bed that night. She's looking at a photo photo album, though, when he comes into the room and it's super duper awkward. Yeah. And uh, as a typical, I need to look at every single detail of that scene kind of person. I spent something like half an hour zooming on uh, all the photos and whatnot in in this album, which I think um, the one we see of her and the fiancé who we know later is named, we learn later his name, Noah. Uh, To me, that looked like they might have like a shoot between Abigail and, um, wait, what's the actor's name? I forgot. Is it Daniel or Thomas? I always wanted to call him Thomas. You say, but I think uh, yeah, you told me uh, last time, and I think we had the same discussion last time. Yeah, um, I, I forgot his first name. Anyway, the this other uh, actor, I think they probably did a, a photo shoot for the two of them because it didn't look like, like one of those terribly photoshopped. Uh, yeah, where you can tell their heads were just kind of put onto some exactly. background bodies is- that... Uh, which is, we've seen that with Fire, with Jimmy and Hanako, uh, with their little date right after yeah. one of the big episodes. And so- versus uh, versus that photo of uh, Donna and, um, I'm blanking on the son's name. Um, Terrence. Thank you, Terrence. Yeah. Where it's very obviously like photoshopped and it's very badly photoshopped. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, which I mean, sometimes like I'm sure getting just the actors in there is hard, so... Oh, for sure. Time, um, but more interesting uh, is in one of these albums, there's Lucy's birth certificate. And so I went in and um, pulled up an actual California birth certificate. And basically, if you compare um, like all the lines on anything, so the first parent's line, which in that case, I guess, would be Lucy's dad as it actually has what appears to to be NA, so not applicable. I think that's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like a little detail that shows that Henry was never a part of their lives. Yeah, which, I mean, 
her old birth certificate, we assume probably did have him on there because I know like from research I've done for writing that I still haven't finished the story on. Uh, <laughs> I think we've talked about that before, how like many works in progress we both have going. But um, oh, yeah. one of them I looked up, I don't think that as long as they're married, they could have just put his name on there and he could have claimed to be the father of Lucy, even if he knew he wasn't. So um, in that case, like, Obviously now, since Henry's never been there, he wouldn't show up on the birth certificate, whereas her original one probably did, even if she saw it. Because I'm assuming she saw it. She's an adult. Most time, as an adult, you need your birth certificate for something. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's funny that she doesn't react to it. Well, at least, I guess she probably doesn't have time because Noah shows up. So, yeah. He kind of comes in and that's when we uh, learned that her engagement ring was in the bathroom, which I guess this is time travel magic. Cause I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, if whatever the original Lucy for this timeline, since they're on the alternate timeline theory kind of blipped out of time and this new Lucy kind of shoved her way in. What if that old Lucy had been wearing her engagement ring at the time? Like time travel had to just kind of create it. That's the only yeah. Way it, it It's kind of hard to see how it works when it's something on the person because we we saw with lucy's necklace like with the pictures Mm -hmm. that this didn't change so everything changes in the timeline in in the timeline while they're away uh Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess like you know that engagement ring has to come up at some point so it's uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah exactly whereas her necklace was like traveling outside time when time changed so it's, uh, so it's safe. very 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 minor spoiler i'm not saying which episode and i'm not saying what exactly but we see that at some point uh later in much later in the series uh we see something actually change for like a fraction or a second in the present oh that's neat yeah uh and then it like whatever might have happened to change the present timeline does not happen so it reverts back to the original thing like it's it's a really really fun little trick yeah so we get to see yeah. it like happen in real time basically while they're in the past yeah That's cool all right so uh, um yeah so he finds her engagement ring and they're laying this on pretty thick here of just how awkward it is but also like <laughs> you have to think he thinks that this is his fiance who obviously lives with him and she's over here like i've never even met this man i don't know his last name we don't know his first name <laughs> it is awkward it's so awkward um but yeah i mean she could have done worse because he's he's hot like let's put it that way he's hot and he's just wearing his boxers that's gotta be kind of distracting honestly <laughs> Yeah, the camera work there, there's a, a really funny moment where she almost turns around and then she realizes like, uh, turn back around, turn back around, turn back around. So yeah. it, that was a cute little exchange though, like just, you know, kind of creating a moment where she's, she has no clue who this guy is and this guy is super familiar with her. So a uh, little side note here and uh, definitely going to talk about some of uh, Chicago Fire's characters, but uh, Manny, our producer, and I uh, were discussing uh, about this episode, and he was saying that Noah is a basically a version of Dylan. And for those who've seen 
this latest season of fire he's really he's like this very boring character basically um and anyway we're arguing i was arguing that no noah is actually at least uh you remember who he is like you can pick noah yeah off the line to pick him back out yeah exactly Whereas i think i saw like three or four episodes of dylan and i still kept going oh is this a new character and then i'm like oh no that's not i've seen him three or four times <laughs> <I> <laughs> like the hockey episode be. i was like oh we get to meet a new character and then i was like no <laughs> no no I'm missing one. honestly like you put you know like the the lineup they do in like police shows to like pick a witness out of a lineup you you give me like several sort of like dark haired white guy and you put them together and i bet you i wouldn't be able to pick dylan off, off of that yeah. Which I am like that with this guy, this actor's character on fire. If you told me, like, draw a picture of Hazmat Zach, I couldn't do it. Because for whatever reason, like, that has just been erased from my memory. But at the time when I was watching that season, I do, I would remember who he was. Yeah. Which however. brings me to to this very, very uh, important question. Um, Heather, fuck, Mary, kill between Dylan... <laughs> Noah and uh we'll start with uh Chaplain Kyle. Um or maybe we can just go right to Robert Todd Lincoln. Yeah, let's do Robert Todd Lincoln because time yeah, is so more difficult because Robert Todd Lincoln had game. He was smooth. Like he's super smooth. He was a flirt and he was like, you know, that'd be a difficult one. Um I'm gonna go with since we don't really know him very much. You have to say fuck Noah, kill Dylan because, I mean, I'd have to figure out which one he was first, so that'd be a little difficult. But, um, and then marry Robert Todd Lincoln because he seemed the most. Uh, we we know him the best at this point, I guess. That's <laughs> the fair. Short time we met him. I I'd, I'd probably do that too, cause, just because uh, Lincoln you, seemed like a really really sweet guy. Uh. And just no, it's just straight up hot. So like the wine night thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. How about you, listeners? Uh, feel free to comment on our socials. Who would you fuck, marry, or kill between Dylan Noah and Robert Todd Lincoln? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, so uh, this is about the time, though, when Lucy is drowning in the awkwardness uh that she gets a phone call from christopher saying what happened on i think it was september 21st first uh yeah 21st of 1962 and lucy's like i don't know and so that kind of gets She's a little record for scratch lucy. for us yeah because yeah. we're like okay what is going on if she doesn't know um and so she's instructed to come in anyway even if she's not entirely sure what it is, because Flynn has taken out the mothership again. And so while she's off to go to Mason Industries, we cut to Wyatt, who's looking at articles for his wife's death, which this is where I zoomed in. And um, from what I gathered on February 11th, which um, did you catch the year? It was 2012. Uh, I didn't put that in my notes for some reason, but February 11th, 2012, Wyatt and Jessica were on their way home from a restaurant in San Diego, and they were fighting. And she gets out of the car near Prospect Street. She's wearing a navy blue dress and silver heels, which I just thought was an interesting addition. But I guess at that point, they hadn't found her yet when the article came out. And um, 
Wyatt does go back to get her after she gets out of the car, but she's gone. And so he, rep- he I assume, looks for her for a little while, and then she's missing until the next day. And they find her dead before 2.15 p.m. And she also has a sister, because there's a mention of a sister at a press conference. So we learn a little bit more background on that if you zoom in. Otherwise, you really wouldn't. You just kind of gather it from some context clues later. But um, in this case, you know, it's, I see why he blames himself, but I don't think it's the same fault that maybe I originally thought it was where, um, you know, in the Hindenburg, he ducks out of the way and Kate gets shot. And so you know it that was a more direct of like he could have prevented it which i guess he could have prevented this if he just stopped her from getting out of the car but um i thought maybe it was something more acute like that where it was like something right, like yeah. you know something was going to harm him and it harmed her instead whereas this is kind of like you know they were fighting and it was one of those things where it just kind of happened um and he blames himself because he feels like he should have brought her home or maybe he started the fight um he says later he was being a jerk so but i i think you know. i think it's very it's very wyatt he's very much like a protector oh, yeah. so the fact that unwittingly he caused jessica to run into something mm-hmm. that resulted in her death like automatically he's going to take that blame on him yeah he's i mean he obviously does it's very he it very much is consuming him with the guilt um that he feels for letting her out there and not and just leaving her um so that uh is what was happening there um um he kind of also has a big desk going where it's he has everything but red string basically no interesting little detail too they mentioned that he was 27 at the time so Mm -hmm. 27 in 2012 that's 2016 in this episode so we'd be like 31 32 depending on when his birthday is uh that's a interesting little piece of information yeah just give us kind of context of like where he's at Mm -hmm. and then um from there we jump to mason industries and they know flynn is in 1962 they just since they don't have an idea of what big thing happened that day they don't know where and so rufus and g are working on it and while they're looking at that um they kind of scan over to a picture of Anthony and an, a woman that we kind of assume is his wife. So now we know he has a family, which we didn't know that before, I believe. Um, and that's about the time that Mason takes Rufus aside and tells him Anthony got a phone call about 30 minutes before Flynn stormed into Mason Industries. And so we know Aunt, Mason now suspects Anthony of some kind of involvement. And Rufus is just adamant um, that this is not the case. Yeah, he's he's very much defensive of uh of anthony uh through this whole episode even even to the end when we yeah. know exactly what's going well exactly when we know more of what's going on uh but i guess we'll get into that later <laughs> yeah and then um so rufus is just you know deny 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 there's no way anthony could be involved in this um He's his mentor, so he greatly respects him. And so we obviously see that play out throughout the episode. But back in the lunchroom, Gia has cracked the code. Uh, She's figured out the location, and she has a bit of a nerd moment that's, like, super adorable. But uh, 
<laughs> she narrowed it's it down so to 50 cute. miles and everybody's like 50 miles like can't you get a little closer and I was like can y'all back nope <laughs> I was like y'all couldn't do this but so um, I love so- like she's trying to explain the theory like oh if you do this and like you get that and like figure that is and like she's looking at them they're all looking at them like you know dead yeah, face like over he's 50 miles off like in Vegas basically <laughs> it's like oh well also a yeah, little I- really cute detail uh I don't know if you paid attention to the necklace she's wearing uh I didn't make a note about it I was I looked at it whenever I was watching it but it didn't make it it's a Pac-Man it. necklace it's like the little Is Pac-Man it- thing with a with one of the ghosts it's so cute I love it I need oh, it it's cute yeah I, I uh I didn't make any notes about her clothes this time I was trying to see what her shirt said but I couldn't figure out what it said um it cut too fast but uh I saw I saw the necklace and like- I I figured it had to be like some kind of detail when I saw like it was you know it's not just like a stone or like yeah. a pendant so I'm like I got, I gotta know what it is yeah they could they do a good job of making her kind of nerdy in this I love it and so they um she's narrowed it down to within 50 miles of las vegas and the desert in nevada and so mason's like can't you get a little closer and she's like what do you want from me this is the best i can do and why it's like come on it's the desert or las vegas like obviously it's vegas and so that's she already she already figured it out like give her a second at least say thanks (laughs) yeah yeah i mean but uh lucy does a little quick google search uh she is all of us and she finds out JFK's in town and that also another another a number of celebrity and mafia bosses are as well. And so they assume that, well, he's going to go after JFK. Um, I think Rufus says JFK a year before JFK because uh, November 22nd, 1963 is when he's assassinated. And so... Um, but I mean, Lucy even yeah. says like he he could be killing pretty much anyone in that in in that place yeah, with everything everybody that's here, and that would change the timeline. So yeah, because I mean, Frank Sinatra was there. Uh, basically, a, a um, good chunk of the Rat Pack was in a Sam Sam Giancana. I think that's the yeah, name. Uh, like, the mob boss. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, I did think this was interesting because I also did a quick Google search of where JFK would have been that day, and he actually wasn't there. So um, the Democratic convention that she mentions he was there for happened in Ohio that year, which he did give a speech at, but he telephoned in. And then I thought this was just a really neat like chunk of history, is that the National Convention of the Air Force Association did have their meeting the next day in Las Vegas, and he gave a speech. So you would think, oh, he was there for it, right? No. He was probably in Rhode Island at the time. He pre-recorded the speech and had it broadcasted via, via the Telstar uh, satellite, which was the communication satellite that they had just kind of set up. And even in the speech, he references, you know, a year or two before this, he couldn't have given this speech via broadcast. So that's kind of where we were. You know, he 1962 zoomed in. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool of like, uh, they were broadcasting speeches when a year before that they couldn't have done that. All right. So we, as you say, we kind of see that the the actual history doesn't quite line up with mm-hmm. the the episode. And I'm curious to see if this is a one-off or mm-hmm. if this is something that's going to reoccurring because we could assume that we're not in our timeline anymore. Yeah. 
mean, so that's maybe too. a lot of things kind of shifted around. So I'm curious to see in in the next few episodes if uh, yeah. if things kind of shifted a little bit. And if yeah, it was on purpose, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Well, I have a theory about why this one was so off too, but um, I think it would be a neat way to explain it off because obviously some minor things have changed and mm-hmm. we don't know the full repercussions of that. So basically anything after night, well, not even 1937, but 1865, anything after 1865 could potentially be changed minutely. And we really wouldn't have to worry about it lining up with history, which is really good for the writers because they don't have to you know be as diligent as maybe they were with the Hindenburg which gives them a little more creative control but um so yeah Yeah, we've learned that JFK is in town yeah we'll see um so we've learned that JFK is in Las Vegas and we cut to Las Vegas 1962 where we pan over the inside of a Vegas casino which is the sands um it's no longer there it was imploded in the 90s uh, but it was used in the original Ocean's Eleven, if I remember right. Um, and then we see, yeah. Uh, then we see uh, the theater where Sinatra is singing "Come Fly with Me." So we're kind of solidly realizing we're in the 1960s. Everything kind of looks like the 1960s. Uh, we see the roulette table, and then we hear this announcement that there's uh, about to be a show. And meanwhile, we cut to a room. And there's a couple waking up in bed together. The woman gets up and she sees the atomic bomb go off in the desert, big mushroom clouds. So that was the show. And which with like everybody seems so excited. And I see that and I'm like, this is my worst nightmare, but okay. Uh... <laughs> it gets better. I'll tell you in a minute what was going on there. Um, so yeah, she sees the atomic bomb and she asks something along the lines of like, oh, does it take more to impress the president of the United States? And that's when we realize the guy is JFK. And And she's obviously not Jackie. (laughs) She is not Jackie. She's one of the many mistresses we've heard about, um, which I've been to a lot of cities he's been in. And I feel like every single one, even if he didn't have a mistress there, they all comment, oh, he was in that hotel with his mistress. And I'm like, you know... I don't think you have a solid story here because he wasn't here during a time when he had one of those mistresses. So I think you're lying to me. Um, but Because <laughs> I feel like it's every city I've ever been in that he's also been in and taken a tour. Uh, we hear that. Uh, but uh, we also see Flynn outside at that point in time taking pictures of him through the window. Um, so I think this was a good way to introduce Judith and who she was. And we obviously know like she was the mistress, not the wife. Yes. So Flynn takes photo with a very modern digital camera, which asked me, where does he get the negative after? That is a great point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I was just assumed it was a film camera and he could go back and do that. But I didn't really see that. That's a good. I point. was looking at the cameras Maybe from the time. Like and a they modern... Very different. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he brought like a modern computer. And but she has the film negatives later. Like how would he even yeah. explain that other if he didn't have them? So I don't know. Good question. Um so cutting to our history minute before we get into the rest of the episode. So what they were watching, the big mushroom cloud, that came from the Nevada Proving Grounds. Um, And I got all of this information from the Nuclear Museum website under the Atomic Heritage Foundation page um, on an article titled Nevada Test Site. 
um, the museum itself, I believe, is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. But uh, so what was going on with the Nevada Proving Grounds is basically the Soviets' uh, atomic capabilities were increasing, and so the U.S. wanted to rapidly expand their own nuclear capabilities. And so in the 1950s, President Truman established this area of 680 miles, square miles, outside of Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Bombing and Gunnery Range, and he called it the Nevada Proving Grounds. It's where they were going to test their nuclear weapons. And so between 1951 and 1992, 1,021 nuclear tests were carried out on the Proving Grounds by the Atomic Energy Commission, which later does become part of the Department of Energy, I believe, which is what Lucy says. And then um, this testing brought tourists to Las Vegas because they would have these things called dawn parties where patrons would come and see the flashes that the bombs made or the big mushroom clouds while sipping on these atomic themed cocktails. And it was basically like, you know, this big show they would brought, they would like advertise when these bombs were going to go off so people could come watch it. Um, not too long after all this started though, within a decade, they realized that atmospheric testing could be causing some health problems. Uh, you don't say. Summer. Yeah. And so they stopped at atmospheric testing in July of 1962. So them being there in September and seeing a mushroom cloud, I don't know that underground testing caused that. Um, I really couldn't hmm. find anything, but um, underground tests did continue. They just weren't releasing that stuff into the atmosphere. So um, all that was stopped in July of 1962 for atmospheric testing. They only did about 100 tests. Um, so a tenth of the testing they did out there was atmospheric. But um, the next year, the U.S. led by President Kennedy, the United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union all signed a nuclear test ban treaty that prohibited nuclear testing underwater, in atmosphere, and in outer space because they didn't know what the effects would be uh, if you detonated a nuclear bomb in outer space. Um, and so... The atmospheric tests did have a negative impact on a wide area, and the communities affected by nuclear fallout were known as downwinders. And this did, didn't just affect Nevada. It was the surrounding states as well, so like Arizona, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, all had nuclear fallout uh, yeah, in their area. Surprise. Yeah, and so cancer rates greatly increased in those areas. Soldiers who were witnessing the testing also had a higher risk of cancer and um yeah, probably the people who were going there to watch it in Vegas. For the show. Uh, yeah, it weren't exactly safe. So, um, yeah, them being in the, there in September uh, wouldn't really work. But like you said, it could it could be that minor things were changed. And so uh, I kind of looked into that a little bit. And then I also looked into Judith Campbell, um, the mistress of Kennedy, and I mostly looked at her interview in 1977 with the Washington Post, and then also an article on all that's interesting titled What JFK's Mob-Affiliated Mistress Might Have Known About His Assassination. I don't remember the article actually answering that question, but um, she was raised upper middle class, so she was kind of independently from Kennedy wealthy, so he wasn't... Um, she wasn't relying on him to make her wealthy or anything like that. But um, she was neighbors, I believe it was Bob Hope in the Pacific Palisades. She met and had an affair with Frank Sinatra after her first divorce in the 1950s. He introduced her to JFK and Sam Giacana. And from there, what I can tell her affair with JFK went from their meeting on February 7th, 1960 into the late uh, 
months of the next year. So somewhere around 18 months. Um, so 1960 to 1961. In a later interview, she commented that JFK didn't do much to hide their affairs. So him standing in a window above a pool full of people probably wouldn't have been out of character, it seems like, because she said that uh, there were many times where she thought they should hide it a little better. And he was just kind of like, eh, it's fine. Um, and part of that, she said, was that he didn't think that people would believe her if she said that she was having an affair with him. Wow. Now, after, yeah, which um, she was kind of cited as an unreliable witness later because her story changes a little bit. And so it is kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what was going on or what was said, but that was something that was mentioned in the article in the interview. She commented, she commented on that. Um, after her affair with JFK ends, she begins a relationship with Sam Giacana, but that ended when he proposed to her. Um, all of this comes out after she marries her second husband, Dol uh, golfer Dan Exner, in 1975. That same year, there's this thing called the Church Committee, which was looking into the abuses of um, government intelligence agencies. And she gave a report or the report was made that cited a close friend of JFK and Sam Giacana. And later that close friend turned out to be Judith Campbell Exner. And so her identity was leaked to the press. She was vilified by the nation. Like Lucy says in an interview with the Washington post, she noted how unfair it was that she was the one being vilified when it was a married man who slept with her. Um, she didn't deny that what she did was wrong. Yeah. She didn't deny what she did was wrong, but she made a point that it was easy to vilify her because it maintained the image of JFK that people had that he'd been kind of put on a pedestal of, you know, being the golden boy, Camelot, all of that. Oh, 100%. Um, like he's a yeah. handsome white man, so he can do no wrong. And he'd like, he, he's got that very, um, tragic story too, with like the, you know, the Kennedy dynasty. So it's it's very easy for him to be put on a pedestal and yeah which i mean i can't say that i know a ton about his years as president outside of like the space race and the cuban mitchell crisis and things like that um other than that i really don't know a ton i just kind of know what was happening politically but um yeah obviously when you think of like He's on the dime <laughs> he's you know he people know who he is and he is kind of put on that pedestal as a kennedy but i mean it, it's it's also that right usually when especially at that time but still i want to say now when there's an affair it's always like the the home wrecker yeah, the woman's, the woman's the home wrecker and yeah that man like you know he slept around but you know boys will be boys which is a bullshit excuse but uh yeah, it was very much like, so it was a little bit that, like that. Uh, that mentality that we see in the the club when Lucy's passing mm -hmm. out drinks and the guy kind of hits on her and I think slaps her on the butt. Like, yep. it was kind of that era and a woman calling another man out might not have really happened in that time period either. Oh, but yeah. um, so with the news of her affair going public, she publishes a memoir and she also gave other interviews over the years. Her story did change and grow. So um, that caused some people to say that it wasn't true at the time. I believe a lot of people denied it as well, people who were close to the Kennedys. But um, eventually, like Lucy says, she does pass away from breast cancer in 1999. And so 
that's kind of what happened with Judith Campbell. I tried to keep the history minute short this time since I know last time I went on like a super deep dive of everybody involved in Abraham Lincoln's assassination. But um yeah, and you will next next uh, next time too you will. I can I can assure yeah. you you will. Okay. Probably. <laughs> we'll just do it every other episode just expect me to do like, you know, a 40 minute long history minute. Maybe we'll branch out do like an entire like side podcast which is just the history <laughs> yeah you know its own episode but uh no my theory that I was telling you about that what's going on here is that they weren't they were trying to make it almost more fictionalized if possible and that's why some of the dates don't really line up um just because it's kind of more recent history um mm. but also dealing with the fact that they have a nuclear weapon and things that were going on with that but like you said it could also be that minor details were changed in the past and now we have different dates on the timeline i think i think they also needed um you know that main historical character that judith campbell is that if they kept it the way it was like there was no one of really like they needed someone of like a big standing like JFK to make it seem like, oh, he's going after JFK. And then you need that historical figure that they work with air quote. Um, And, and they kind of fumbled everything together so that it can all happen in Vegas and Flynn can do whatever, whatever he does, but without uh, Lucy recognizing it. Yeah. And it's, because it's obvious like enough. Flynn doesn't want to know when they're there. Exactly. And it's close enough in the timeline that mm-hmm. yes, it's not accurate, but it works. Yeah. No, it definitely like like if I hadn't looked that stuff up, I never would have said yeah. like there was anything odd about it at all. Um, well one thing which I'll bring up later, but uh Yeah, and then and there were there were like Lucy even talks about the fact that Judy's was passing message between uh, JFK mm-hmm. and Giancana, like about Fidel which Castro. Is, which happened as well, from what we can tell. Exactly. Um, so, you know, they kind of include that. So it works. Yeah, that's part of what came out with that church committee report was that um, there was some kind of affiliation with JFK and Sam Giancana, which when she met him, um, she didn't know who Sam Giancana was. She thought his name was Sam Flood and he was a Chicago businessman. So he didn't. she didn't find out for a little while who exactly he was. Um, she just said that she would pass sealed note, um, uh, sealed uh, envelopes between JFK and Giancana. So I thought that was kind of interesting, just a little background of who she was, kind of what happened to her, just more than we get in the episode. And then also just the yeah. dawn parties of the nuclear testing, I found interesting because, I mean, I feel like that is something I mean, that's very 1960s, and I don't know why I didn't think about it. Knowing, being, yeah, knowing what is, we know yeah. now, it's it's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just definitely kind was of. thinking, yeah, it is very. But uh, I was definitely thinking this would have been more something along the lines of like the Manhattan Project, but um, obviously, yeah, it's a little different than that. Which I should have. I knew they would. I like Wyatt. I do know a little bit of military history, so I did know they tested. <laughs> nuclear weapons outside of las vegas but uh that website the uh nuclear museum website is actually a really good resource if you're a teacher too they do they have some lesson plans on there and things like that so uh check it out it's a it's a pretty good website very detailed as usual we'll have 
all the links in our description. Yes. Yeah. All right. You want to take it from here? Yes. So we had our credits and coming back into the episode, um, we, we start back inside the lifeboat just before the departure. Um, and Lucy sits down in her seat and Waya just like not saying anything, just leans in and helps her with her seatbelt again. And, you know, she didn't really needed it because her dress is much more manageable than last time. But, you know, he's going to do it anyway because he's a gentleman and it's, it's, it's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and at that point, like, he notices the engagement ring, which, by the way, like, it's a, a nice big ring. diamond. Like, we <laughs> don't know. We don't know at this point what Noah does. But, I mean, and we see their apartment, too. Like, it's nice apartment yeah. it's a pretty nice apartment so there's some money in there somewhere i'm not sure that as a history professor lucy makes all that much do university yeah, professor make works. a lot of money i honestly couldn't tell you um i think it depends mostly on the university you're at which it seems like she's at a pretty big one but if it's in like a it seemed like last time it was a failing department but now her mother's here so maybe it's not like i have no idea what they make probably a yeah. decent amount but not not like yeah a, probably more than like a school teacher like a high school teacher but oh, i'm sure yeah i mean i hope so crazy. at least it also probably depends um, on like book deals and things like that so i mean we do books, know that lucy wrote some yeah. books so she might she's probably getting some money from that too so yeah but yeah there's money in there um and so it's at this point that we actually know we actually learn uh the fiance's name, which is Noah. Uh, no last well, she name. Doesn't she know doesn't his know his last name. name. And <laughs> as far as I remember, I don't think we ever learn it. Uh, poor Noah. Uh, Noah, no last name. <laughs> exactly. No last name, Noah. That's actually, that's so catchy too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's there's some teasing from, from Wyatt. Like, oh, at yeah, least you can. He's loving uh, it. He's loving it. He, yeah. All the smirks and the little winks and ah, oh, it's so cute. Uh, and like even Rufus kind of gets in on it at the end. Yeah, it's no, like, yeah, at least you get like, to go to Vegas. I know this is the bachelorette party. Like, what a way to go to Vegas! I know, right? This might be worse than the Hangover. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good. I haven't watched that movie in a while, but uh, yeah, such a good movie. Yeah, um, uh, failing to keep yeah a terrorist from getting a a nuclear weapon on your bachelorette party and that's at least as good as getting a, a tiger right um right, yeah. uh, anyway um and so we we still get the departure sequence of the live book which still takes a while and we uh do we i think we still see i think at least Mason and I forgot if yes. Gia's there too at this point. Uh, um, I don't know. I didn't actually. At the very least, there's Mason because there was an, the the way they came back was a little different this time, which I thought was interesting. But um, I don't remember how they took off. I was just I was still laughing at the Las Vegas line. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they land in the desert, and right as they get out, which by the way, it's so it's so funny because like Wyatt and Rufus still 
have like a pretty rough arrival uh like mm-hmm. Wyatt literally drops to his knees and like Lucy kind of gets out of there and she's like she's fine nothing's yeah. happening here um and as soon as they get out like they see the atomic bomb go off in the distance and Rufus is like oh no we're too late and it's yeah, like no 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 they're just lines us up with when Judith and Kennedy are in the hotel room because I'm assuming they're not setting them off like back to back probably so we can probably like link the timelines here yeah that's kind of what I assume too um but yeah no Lucien we had very casually uh explained that no no the U.S. Department of Energy is doing testing in the desert and uh actually when when yeah, go ahead. I like Wyatt's thing here. He's like, I know a thing. I know a thing. I know a thing. Let me tell you the thing I know. And then he was so proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, it's it's the reverse of what we had last episode when Lucy explained, like, oh, no, no, I even, like, wrote a book about Booth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Wyatt has that turn his head and kind of impressed moment. And Lucy does that here. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like you know, he knows his military story. It's not just Braun, he's he's got some Braden stone on him too. <laughs> um but yeah, and so Lucy said that before being called Sin City, Las Vegas was actually called Atomic City. Mm-hmm. A little bit later, they arrive at the Sands and uh they have that fun little sequence where you see like Wyatt kind of fading back and looking around. And Rufus like, wow, we could bet on some sports here. And Lucy just He's sneaks like, a glass of champagne. Baseball games. Yeah. And like yeah. Lucy just she's she's there's a waitress like coming right in front of her. She's like, ooh, I'll take a glass. Well, they probably they just walked through the desert, so she probably is pretty thirsty. It's <laughs> like and also, whatever I can I can get my hands on. Champagne. <laughs> yeah. Nobody says no to champagne. I mean, most people. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, there's a fun like continuity because um, I forgot how it cuts. Uh, but like we go, we we end up with um, Rufus and Lucy, kind of like in the games floor, mm-hmm. and like Wyatt joins them. So we kind of see Wyatt fading back at that beginning and um and then joining back them saying okay i checked that security and um it's gonna be rough to get in there because the the copa i think is the the theater it like the sinatra show is sold out it was 1962 taylor swift um (laughs) minus the people uh, singing on the outside um uh, but and it, it's very like understated how Wyatt did his little recon like it's very discreet thought that was fun yeah like, he's kind of getting a handle on like how he's supposed to do all this which is you know his job that's what he does they very, uh, they very much emphasize their jobs during this uh, this episode yeah and, like Lucy Lucy goes uh, pretty much uh, like you know elephant in a china shop I'm like well we should call it a bomb threat and evacuate everybody yeah. it's like okay but no uh flynn's here and wyatt's getting very frustrated about flynn always running away so he's you know he at this point like i'm supposed to find flynn take him out i'm taking him out 
I know where he is. This is it. This is the day. This is happening now. Uh, yeah, which I mean, I think he feels like once they're done with their mission, that's when he can take the time machine to Jessica. So I feel like he set this kind of like this end goal in his head. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's that's what he's trying to do. Um, well, so there's that he's getting impatient. Yeah, there's that in the fact that he's like just the... not being able to do his job because something always ends up happening first. Yeah, that and like you know, the soldier in him wants to fulfill like this is my mission. So I failed at yeah. my mission. I don't want to fail anymore, basically. Yeah. Um, and like things are still a little tense between, you know, Lucy's side of things and Wyatt's side of things, like still well, like, how are we supposed to take down Flynn and, like, not change anything and protect everybody? It's like, yeah, I don't care. Protecting history is your job. I'm taking away Flynn is my job. Like, Yeah, yeah. So, again, like, is like, emphasizing, uh, like, this is mine and this is yours and this is the lane you're supposed to stay in. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, meanwhile, while they're f- sort of fighting, was he the same way we saw Wyatt fading away in the room, we see like Rufus kind of walking away, and he comes back, and he's got costumes because yep. in 1962 he's got a superpower; he's invisible, which is yeah, which again kind of I think is uh, not. I mean, it's not super subtle here that, that he pretty much says it, but it's a way to kind of create the atmosphere of what was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, like kind of like they show it with women, what was going on with women, but here they're kind of showing what was going on. Uh, with black people who are you know they're being treated basically as the hired help in the 1960s and so oh exactly uh, there's a one exception to that with the performers of the rat pack um and now i've blanked on all of their names except for sinatra so i couldn't even tell you who it was but um yeah they they're doing i think they just do a really good job of this of kind of showing where everybody's at yeah it's without, a um, it's very much like what racism is at that point uh mm-hmm. and uh, but without like leaning super heavily on him like it's just to mention they we're not forgetting that this is very much a white man world we're going yeah. back to so definitely again and just saying you know that where judith was vilified and kind of told mm-hmm. you know basically the people wouldn't believe her if she told him this white president was sleeping with her and uh out of all the costume he's got, he's uh, obviously picked the skimpier outfit for Lucy, and Lucy's having none of that. Uh, she's like, no, no, go, go get me a waitress outfit. And like, Wyatt completely checks her. I don't know if you've noticed, but Wyatt like gives her a like head to toe look. A, I uh, sure, yeah, you put that on. See what happens. I want to see that. Uh, well, it's like, yeah, you pull it off. Gave her though. <laughs> when she was covered head to toe in the dress in the civil war so um yeah yep. i think it's more of just he's very amused by the different costumes she has to put on yeah there's that and i think you know i think he's not blind like he's not in the headspace of i like her quite yet but i think he notices that she's not bad looking mm-hmm. like he's just it's just that like it's not yet yeah, a I, mean, I like you type of thing is it's like the same way I, lucy notices yeah. that her fiance is good looking you know oh yeah for sure yeah um so with 
all those costumes. They are able to get inside the theater. And uh, we see, like, Rufus and Lucy, like, very much in awe of the show. And I mean, rightfully so, because they're watching Frank Sinatra performing live, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's I like Rufus leaning over at one point. He's like, this job does have its perks sometimes. It's like, that's something they could never, ever do now obviously you can't see Frank Sinatra perform live oh for yeah. sure um on the other hand Wyatt very much still is sold yourself and he's just looking in the room trying to mm-hmm. scan the room for any sign of Flynn for now we we don't uh we don't really see him uh meanwhile Lucy you know, she's supposed to be a waitress, so she's waitressing. And like you said earlier, she has like a, a run in with that guy who's a little bit handsy, smacks her on the bum mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, men are pigs, especially in the 60s. Um, and uh, we see the woman who was in bed with JFK. We don't know yet who she is, except we already do. But anyway, and she takes her defense with like a, a solid burn like you know she's she's used to handling herself and defending yeah. herself in front of like against other men and she she uh she gives Lucy uh Lucy um a decent tip like I went back like it's several like one dollar bill and I kind of looked back mm-hmm. at what it would be now and basically like a dollar in 62 would be like 10 bucks today so it's not like you know life-changing money but if you look at it there's like at least like 20 30 maybe even 50 dollars worth of today's money in Mm -hmm. tips so it's pretty decent it's a good tip yeah and lucy keeps them uh uh, because why not yeah Um, still kind of a nod to the outfit she's wearing she has to stick it down her bra yeah uh Honestly. yeah cool souvenir though yeah and they can start a money collection you know coin collection every <laughs> yeah, time every time they go from in the, the past they, they get like yeah exactly and then they just... um but yeah um it's pristine so it's collected exactly right <laughs> uh, and like unbeknownst to lucian wyatt uh it's like Lucy's explaining to Wyatt like who Samjin Kana is and what we we're talking about earlier about you know um they were at the center of like a plot to assassinate Fidel Castro uh at this point. So we, we get a little bit of history. Uh that's Lucy's history minutes. Um and uh <laughs> Rufus on the other hand like spots Anthony and goes after him and he finds him at the bar and yeah we learned that he's actually not Flynn's prisoner uh he's I mean technically willingly following along and I guess he pretended to be kidnapped yeah it seems like it's obviously weighing at him like he wouldn't be drinking at the bar if and looking as you know morose as he does if he was 100% in it obviously 
he doesn't feel great about it but no he spends uh, this entire episode drinking um Mm -hmm. and on top of that how he can handle the nuclear matter with kitchen gloves he's (laughs) really alcohol soaked because alcohol protects against radiation today we learn (laughs) this is not scientific fact this is no no it does not people do not do not (laughs) (laughs) listeners do not handle nuclear material with kitchen gloves um it's not safe um but yeah and he he makes a quick uh allusion like a little cheer to christy pitt you'll soon be with us uh i wish on this particular speech they hadn't gone back and forth between him and wyatt i felt like it it cut it so much that it was it i think it would have been a great way just to kind of see it play all the way through especially because i feel like every time we cut we come back with rufus looking kind of more and more devastated i really wish we kind of see that play out smoothly if that ever trying to like amp up the um suspense with between what was going on with anthony and also what was going on with flynn uh, but i do wish it just kind of played straight out but, yeah i don't know that didn't bother me but yeah i can i can see why because that's a very important yeah that's our does, though, first big thing yeah yeah, I think it does know, though, now we get Taco Tuesday making much more sense than before. Yes. Um, because now we know why he was pushing Rufus to take Gia and go. Um, he was trying to get them out of there as fast as possible. He just didn't do it in time. And so, and, you know, the, we talked about it in the very first episode of how did the cops get there? And they cut the scene where they push a panic alarm. Which I think mm-hmm. we could probably like, I'll just, in my little head canon, I'm going to say it, he called them knowing that they would need the police to come afterwards. So like they didn't make it there in time, but I feel like he, he did his due diligence trying to get Rufus and G out. I don't know about everybody else. Everybody else, I guess he was just like, screw you. But he did try at least with Rufus and G well, to get them uh, <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> Choices have to be made at some point. You can't save everybody. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I'm just going to save the people I he like the most. He couldn't be there by himself. No, yeah, but sure. he does also mention it's all a means to an end, which he mentions later, I believe, with Flynn. It's a means to an end. Um, yeah. And so we kind of get that callback later, too, from this speech earlier. Yeah. Um. And again, like he talks about it later with uh with Flynn, but he's very you can tell he's very, very protective of Rufus and by extension Gia, because I guess they were both under his wing. So and especially Rufus, because you know, they're both pilots and we can we can um uh, theorize that. Anthony is the one who taught Rufus most of what he knows and had to yeah, uh, yeah. pilot the the time machine. So yeah, that's where we spent a lot of time together. At least is that it's his mentor and he. It is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, well, as you said, like this dialogue is cut with uh, little scenes of back inside the theater, and we see that. 
Wyatt spots Flynn uh, and like obviously he tries to get to him and you know we're meant to believe he's gonna go for JFK and JFK JFK uh, which uh, at this point like as soon as you see Flynn um, Wyatt just takes out his gun with like this massive silencer and like I nobody know, does and no one I love does it. anything nope no nobody notices looked at him <laughs> Cena Troy is really good. Like people are mesmerized, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but he doesn't go for JFK. Flynn doesn't go for JFK. He takes uh Judith and lures her out of the room, saying uh, her sister's on the phone. And as soon as they get out of the room, he just grabs her and uh threatens her and say, "You're gonna." Like we hear a little bit of a of what he says. Like he says, "You're gonna do exactly what I tell you to do, and this is why." Which was a little on the nose, but not the smoothest yeah, piece of dialogue yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we don't hear the why yet. We hear it later when she tells the time team. But um, yeah, Wyatt eventually, uh, like you know, he goes after them and eventually catches up to him, uh, or more like. Flynn probably noticed him. I'm sure the big gun with a big silencer will do that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they fight, basically. Like he, Flynn waits behind and they fight. Uh, it's... Which is the second fight Wyatt's had in a kitchen since this all started. <laughs> That's true. So we're, on, we're on two kitchen fights and one alley shootout. He's no cleaver shot. this time. No cleaver yeah, this time. No, no, no knife. Yeah. Um, but Judith, like, she's kind of frozen for a moment, and she, you know, she takes the opportunity to like runs away. She runs right into Rufus and Lucy, which is practical. <laughs> Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually, I guess you know they both, both Wyatt and Flynn lose their gun at some point. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like while Wyatt. Uh, managed to grab to grab his back. Uh, I guess Flynn realizes that he's got to get out of here because it's not working. So he just, you know, pushes him, uh, Wyatt with a chair back in the room and like, uh, oh, back outside the kitchen and mm-hmm. locks the door with the chair and runs away. Um, yeah, which we learn later he wasn't expecting them because he doesn't think they could find him. He exactly. Picked, like, a completely random day when he knew that Kennedy and Campbell would be in the same uh, city. Which which is why Lucy couldn't pinpoint an event mm-hmm. on September 21st, 1962 because there was not. Um, yeah. Uh but yeah, uh when Rufus the first thing Rufus does is ask Judith if she's Christy Peden or she introduces herself. And Lucy instantly knows who she is. Um, yeah. And so they kind of take her into another room, which is like a dressing room, sort of, or like some kind of... I think it's a... Ho- no, it's a hotel. Like, if you look outside, there's a like a, a hotel sign or a motel sign. And then at one point, there's a bedroom that Wyatt and Lucy go into. So I think it's just a, a suite. Like, it has a bedroom, and then it has, like, a living room area. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't yeah. figure out what it was. Um, Wyatt kind of 
manhandles her a little bit and like Judas is having none of that. Uh, and I love like Judas's sass. Like she's got so much oh, yeah. sass. Uh, and I love her for that. Um, yeah. It's like right away she's like, who are you guys? <laughs> and Rufus and, and Lucy make the best worst attempt as passing for undercover cops judy sees right through that through that which i mean they were they were not good um... they they were not good um they can be very good at lying but god when they're not good they're really bad uh uh... yeah was there was there excuse that i didn't have identification because it was back at the precinct Oh, exactly. Well, because they're undercover, so they can't have their badge on them. I was watching Fubar the other day, which is on Netflix. I used the same joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They what? They used the same joke in a, a Netflix show with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Monica Barbaro. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a funny joke, and they're they're so awful at lying here. Yeah um but anyway they like lucy ends up just saying okay we're not cops and rufus is really really sad about it because he thought he had it and rufus i love you baby but no you didn't have it not at all not even close um but yeah uh and so there's they're still trying to figure out what flynn wants with judy's because they're still completely in the dark and um Lucy kind of sends Judith into the adjoining bathroom to freshen up and so that uh, all of them can talk. Uh, and so she, you know, she gives all the, the context about who Judy is and, you know, what she does at the time or at least in their timeline, because I guess not in our timeline. Um, and eventually uh, they're interrupted by some noise in the bathroom yeah. and Wyatt just, yes, Oh, that's where Rufus says, oh, this is some real Oliver Stone stuff, which is a nod to Oliver Stone directed three movies about presidents, and one of them was about JFK. Um, ah. And yeah, so that was kind of what that meant. Uh, he said it's some real Oliver Stone stuff. It was the the drama of that movie. But he's just, I mean, he wants the tea, so it's it's really funny, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But yeah, so they're interrupted by uh, some noise in the in the bathroom and Wyatt breaks in and Judith is trying to like escape from like a tiny window which I, I don't know what she expected to do because yeah. that window is tiny um, but anyway he just like almost just throw her onto his shoulder brings him back brings her back in the room and and Lucien Wyatt play a little bit of good cop bad cop <laughs> yeah. not not on purpose Swish just done. Yeah. He's very frustrated. Yeah, he's in a bad uh, mood most of this episode. Yes, which um earns a, a comment from Judith a little bit later on, which is perfect. Um but yeah, at, at this point we we still very much believe that whatever Flynn has planned with Judith, it has to do with still with JFK and politics mm-hmm. or Maybe we think maybe even the Castro thing, like it's it's unclear, but everybody still thinks that 
because of the connection between Judith and JFK, it has to do with that area in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, we cut to Flynn and he's his own time team, I guess, uh, in the desert. And so Flynn uh, drives back to their, I don't know if you can say it, camp, compound because it's just those people, like campground, sort yeah, of. It's, yeah, it's kind of just a rock in the desert that they all met. Basically. Uh, and he finds Anthony, who's still drinking. Like, he must be hammered. Um uh, and the rest of them, and I, I love that the second Flynn gets out of the car, you see like both the guys that were sitting with Anthony, they just get up and like, okay, we're gonna go back to work. We weren't, no, we weren't, we were working that whole time. Um, yeah, like the boss is here. Same. Get up. <laughs> uh, Flynn is mad. Is big mad that uh, Rufus and Wyatt and Lucy found them. And he's like, I thought they couldn't find like where we were. Well, they couldn't, but I guess they figured it out. And uh, mm-hmm. at this point, Flynn like very much threatens to take out Rufus, saying like he's their pilot. Like if we take him out, like they're done. And Anthony reacts very strongly. Uh, yeah, which is the same idea I think Wyatt kind of has of taking Anthony out, of basically. Yeah, or somebody does later. Uh, so well, we kind of uh, see the same in reverse. It's either him or Christopher. I can't remember. Both, I think, over the course yeah. of things, like not at the same time, but both. Um, yeah. and um, Anthony does say that uh, comment that uh, he's given up his family for for this, and Flynn says like I've given up my family too. Yeah, so I think we learn like a big thing here of. Flynn's motivation of wanting to write written a house from history. So we haven't had that before. We didn't really know exactly what he was planning with written house. Um, we still don't know how he's planning to do it. Obviously, it has something to do with a nuclear bomb, but um, we don't really get a lot of Anthony's motivations of why he's going along with it. But we have to assume Flynn told him something that made him, you know, basically abandon his wife and kids. It's something that pains him, obviously. And so what did Flynn tell him is going to happen if they don't wipe Rittenhouse out? Which I think is interesting, but also like he repeats that it's all a means to an end again. Uh, what's what he told Rufus and now he's saying it again. So what I think I want to kind of see how that plays out over the next couple episodes or when we see Anthony again of what are his motivations for joining Flynn because it has to be something good. Um, but also something very dangerous or else he would have tried to convince Rubis and Gia to go along with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that. We'll see in the next few episodes. <laughs> <No> um, <laughs> geez, this is hard. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, we were able to get through our first uh, spoiler that I couldn't speak of at the time, which was the Taco Tuesday stuff. Um mm-hmm. So I got that one out. Uh, you noticed it too, anyway. Uh, yeah, that was the first thing I went. I, I think in my notes originally, I just put it in giant caps of Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Makes so much <laughs> sense now. Cool. Uh, that was I, cool, I. But 
Yeah, I think I mentioned it before, but I have like a separate doc on my personal like Google Doc, which is like all the spoilers and like in which episode I'm going to be able to mention them and which episode they uh, start from. So like it's yeah. it's starting to be like close to a page now, I think already. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's fun stuff. So I'm, I am making notes of them, of things that are going to come up later that I yeah. see already, but I can't gotcha. talk about. So eventually they'll they'll come back and play. Uh, but I, am, uh, I mean, I was gonna say moving on, but before we actually move on, before that scene ends, like the camera kind of pans over to the side, and the two guys that were sitting with Anthony, uh, we see them digging a big hole in uh, the would... sand slash ground. Yeah, which I thought this was a good fake out because it obviously looks like a grave. Like that's what we're meant to think it is. Is some it kind does. of grave, and we never really find out what they were going to use it for in history. Go ahead. No, we do. Sorry. Well, I mean, we, we do know now, what they like, use. It we for. never yeah. saw them. We never saw them put it put anything in there before they go back to the present. Oh, before the very last scene, yeah, yeah. And so we never saw uh, like what they used it for um, before they before the very end of the episode. Yeah, but I think that was always the the plan, though. Oh yeah, it was the plan. It just, okay, yeah. I thought like originally I was like, who are they gonna bury out here? Yeah. <laughs> I thought no. they were gonna kill somebody. That <laughs> was not quite happening. Which I mean, it still makes sense uh with like where we at, where we, we still think it has to do with JFK or mm-hmm. whoever. Yeah, like it's still uh, it's a good fake out. Yeah. Because we don't know that they're gonna put a barrel in it. Uh but back to Lucy, Rufus and Judith, because I think Wyatt's kind of in the next room, kind of cooling off, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Baby mad. And uh, Judith asks Lucy if she and uh, brooding blue eyes are sleeping together, which is the most perfect way to describe Wyatt, like brooding blue eyes. That's Especially pretty much episode. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the uh, Lucy denies it, obviously. Um, and I think Judith is the first person to put the idea out there that Lucy and Wyatt could be a couple. Um, yeah. She's the first to kind of like clock the sexual tension going exactly. on. Exactly. With what's happening uh, within the characters we've seen, at least. Yeah. And uh, I love that Rufus, like, he hears that and is like, okay, I'm out. Uh, yeah. bye. <laughs> it's girl talk time. I'm I'm gone. Yeah, which we get a good talk between Lucy and Judith here. I think, um, <laughs> Judith has a good joke. She's like, that guy could use it. He's round pretty twi- tight, and that's when Rufus is like, bye. I don't <laughs> need this tea. I wanted the JFK tea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she like uh. She asked Lucy how she knows about JFK, and obviously Lucy can't be like, oh, I'm a time traveler. But um, she kind of has this really, like, I think just a good conversation with her, like, okay, yeah. well, I know what you want to call me. You know, you want to say I'm a tramp. And Lucy says, no, I think you're fascinating. And I mean, she's just, you can tell it in her voice that she's just in awe, kind of, of this woman who's at the center of 1960s politics. So, like, um, and it's kind of a player that, again, like, nobody knew about until much later 
and Judith is like, well, I don't think anybody's ever said that about me before, you know? And um, she says, very importantly, you ever wake up one day and not recognize your own life? And of course, Slightly. Lisa's like, yeah, you know, like I just did that, you know, two days ago. I wake up and my sister's gone and I'm engaged and my mom's, you know, fine now where she was sick before. And I don't know who my father is. Like she has all these things that have just mm-hmm. so abruptly changed. And, um, Judith is like, and I never know what's going to happen next. I really don't, which is also like the situation Lucy's in. And I said last time that I think Lucy's really terrified of the unknown. And that's what she asked her. She goes, isn't that terrifying? Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, Ju- Judith is like, a really good mirror for for Lucy in this episode because mm-hmm. even when she she starts talking about her life before meeting JFK, she says, "I felt like I was a nobody." And like like we said in previous episode, it's very much I think what Lucy feels with her mom because her mom was the big star, yeah. uh, and next to her mom, she feels like she's a nobody. She she did say to yeah. Christopher that in the pilot, like. Oh, my mom's the big deal. Like I'm not, my mom's world class. I'm not world class. Um, yeah. And you know, time traveling is Lucy's JFK in a way. Uh, Which, and she like, um, she asked, you know, wouldn't would you ever wish to go back to your old life? And Judith instantly never. Which I think that is where it falls apart like in the long term because Lucy knows what happens to her and knows later how hard it gets for her and so I think Lucy could also use this to be like I need to change everything back because if I don't it could go badly um well there's that but um bad but Judith is also very much aware that everything could fall apart yeah and and to me uh and maybe that's possibly colored by what I know happens but maybe it also shows Lucy that yes like Amy's not there and that's terrible but not everything's maybe like maybe she can at least until she can uh write some wrongs aka mm-hmm. get Amy back Amy back um maybe it's not all bad like there maybe there's some some good stuff that can come out of this and i mean her mom's healthy so there's that yeah and she also like judith also says she would always wonder if she's missing out on something better and so i think that's where lucy's at now too which i mean like i said i think it could go bad if lucy looks too much into it with how bad it goes for judith but also i think if she kind of sticks with this line of like if i change everything back to the way it was i'll always know there was something different out there and she'll mm-hmm. always wonder what it was. So, yeah, I think I thought it was a very important conversation for her to have at this point, especially after last time with the idea of fate and, you know, yeah. the conversation she had with Robert Todd Lincoln and things like that. For sure. I mean, in any case, time traveling, like, I know the circumstances are dangerous and scary, but I mean, she's a history teacher and she's very much passionate about history and i mean not a lot of history professor that can say hey i actually went in the past um <laughs> just her <laughs> it's kind of a pretty unique opportunity um but yeah so while they're talking uh rufus has 
met with Wyatt in the in the room and he's still kind of trying to work out like he, he doesn't understand why Anthony's working with Flynn and that's very according to Rufus that's very out of character for Anthony and um mm-hmm. Wyatt's kind of like nah who cares uh and basically uh I forgot how the whole conversation goes but he just decides to use Judith's bait and he says like yeah. Flynn's been five steps ahead of me this whole time and I want to get ahead of him and spoiler alert, he won't. Um, yeah. Well, he says something along the lines of like, he's tired of thinking he's going to knock over a salt shaker and change history. Uh, which I don't know that I, there's any movie that I know of that directly references like a salt shaker being knocked over and changing history. But I know that is a tremendous sign of bad luck. Like if you knock over a salt shaker, mm-hmm. you have to, like, throw it over your shoulder to like get rid of the bad luck. And so maybe it's just a nod to the fact that they have not had good luck in all of this. That's true. Um, but yeah, so he goes back in the room and basically explain his plan is Lucy's having none of it. And she takes him back to the room and they like she argues to him that Judith is too important and they can't take the risk. And Moya just says, screw this, I'm doing it anyway, and just works out on Lucy. Yeah, their team dynamic really breaks down here, which they they needed. I'm surprised it happened this early, I guess, but also it makes sense because they really haven't been introduced to each other outside of being thrown together twice and kind of harrowing situations and so last time I felt like they worked together really well with Wyatt and Rufus it kind of Lucy was on the outskirts of that one whereas this time I feel like it's right Wyatt and Rufus are at odds over Anthony Wyatt and Lucy are at odds over Judith you know everybody's just kind of infighting here but it it makes sense too like you can't have a team just work right off the bat like there's going to be some yeah speed bumps and and this is definitely one Mm -hmm. of them for sure um but yeah that's where we're at and uh heather you want to take it from here yeah so they cut to judith's hotel room and she's waiting in the window that we saw at the beginning uh, overlooking the empty pool and wyatt's sitting in a chair kind of hidden from view of the window and like can she be any more obvious? She's just like fixing the curtain yeah. and like how long has she been here? Like Yeah, looking over nothing. There's nothing out there. Uh this was I guess before 24 hours of Vegas. But uh yeah, yeah she uh so Judith asks him if he has a girl and if he'd be willing to put her in that situation, which she has no clue that that's just pressing the absolute worst button possible, you know, open yeah. the raw wound for Wyatt. And um but also she, she has like, a I point. Think... She has a point because yeah. you know that with, with what happened to Jessica, he would never consider putting uh Jessica or anybody he actually cared about in that kind of position. And he knows it. Yeah, again, yeah. Especially with like, you know, what he's been thinking about trying to go back to her again. Mm-hmm. And so um he says, just trust me, which Lucy also asked her to trust her. Um so now two of them have said just trust me type of thing rufus is asking wyatt to trust him about anthony i feel like this was like a big episode of who do we trust who do we not trust because right after this we see flynn coming judith tells wyatt and um then we cut so rufus is or flynn's on his way rufus and lucy though are trying to figure out who this christy pitt is and they're talking uh 
to someone who works at the casino hotel they have this bottle of champagne they're supposed to deliver and he's like i don't know who this girl is like we don't have a christy pitt staying here uh, about that time though we see flynn coming through the lobby and on their way to judith's room so they follow him and wyatt's waiting for him and that's when judith knocks him over the head with the phone and so now we have wyatt has been shot <laughs> Wyatt has been hit over the head with phone, two kitchen fights, an alley shootout, and uh, a knife fight. So, are, are we keeping score or uh... Wyatt? I guess I feel like we should have a Wyatt injury count at this point. He's the only one getting hit over the head. Um, but yeah, and I can just like, do you remember the weight of those phones though? Like those rotary phones. I I can Vaguely, just imagine like my grandmother hurt. had one. Yeah, my grandmother had yeah. one uh yeah they were they were pretty heavy and like she goes hard yeah yeah and so um yeah she made the choice to work with Flynn to get her pictures back which Lucy kind of points out later but again here we are do we they put their trust in Judith or why it kind of did of her being on their side but to be to be fair, she kind of protects them because Flynn asks her where the others are and she lies to them. Like she doesn't she doesn't tell that Wyatt's here. She doesn't tell where Lucy and Rufus is. It's like she knows that there is definitely like uh, Flynn probably would hurt them. Uh, yeah. so like she tries to get out of there uh, with Flynn, but as fast as she goes like so she's. Yeah. You know, she's she making a choice a bit, for herself, but yeah. Yeah, she wasn't trying to hurt. I, I don't think she was trying to hurt Wyatt so much as it was a, a like the Anthony's line. It was a means to an end to get out of there. Um, exactly. So that she could get to Flynn without him getting hurt. Because obviously if Wyatt had gone out there, she wouldn't have been able to get to Flynn. There's a potential Flynn could have gotten shot. There's a potential Wyatt could have gotten shot. Like, um, she was trying to keep the the casualty count lower as, or as mm -hmm. low as possible um that's we see her there's kind of it's a very like madman type shot where she's kind of leaning that's true the elevators that elevator close that's a good shot um and Wyatt runs out in the hallway uh kind of holding his head Lucy and Rufus come around the corner and kind of like you're like Lucy kind of says uh you could have been a little nicer <laughs> like this is like Which... what did you think was gonna happen um He's not wrong. He, at this point, yeah, at this point, though, it was kind of kicking him while he was down. He's just absolutely defeated. Yeah. And so he just, he doesn't even say anything. He just walks away. And that's when Lucy goes, well, what are we supposed to do now? Which I was kind of like, Lucy, you were just mad about him taking charge. Like, <laughs> like this on. whole, this but, whole thing, like, they're all so tense. Like, everybody's yeah, fighting. Everybody like, everybody, yeah, everybody's on edge. Yeah. And For so, sure. um, we see Judith and Flynn driving into the nuclear test site uh, and there's a general expecting Judith and she meets him in the office. Um, this is where I, I felt like they used her in a way that was a little bit out of the realm of who she was. For all I know, she was sleeping with an army colonel and everybody was just focused on JFK and Sam Giacana. But I feel like they almost have her set up like she's a sex worker, whereas she wasn't. She was someone's mistress who she was in a relationship with. And so, and she, as far as I could tell, 
JFK and Sam Giancana, she was in a relationship with it two different times. And so I just felt like this was like a little bit for as much awareness as they had talking to Lucy earlier with Judith. Yeah. I felt like this scene kind of failed her character in that, whereas she was almost set up to just be, you know, the woman who sleeps around with everybody. And yeah. I didn't and really for... particularly like her being used like that. It just kind of felt off in a way. Yeah, it's not um, it's not the best. But... best. Yeah. It doesn't paint the best Which picture. Which I mean, yeah. again, this is where they took, I think, a lot of creative control, just trying to make it almost as fictionalized as possible um, so that all this kind of lined up. But anyway, um, she asked the general to go get her a glass of wine. And so he leaves to get it and she rummages around at his desk until she finds a set of keys, which her fur wrap has pockets. And I wrote, nice, because <laughs> that dress didn't have pockets, that's for sure. Lucy didn't have a pocket earlier, so Lucy needed one of those wraps. And like, it's a, it's a pretty... Decent sized pockets, better than pocket, yeah. most pockets we've got now. Um, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, so back at the hotel, Wyatt's kind of just walking around and he spots Western Union behind him and a light bulb goes off. Are we talking about that tiny detail about the uh, <laughs> the, um, the insignia, like uh, when the general yeah, comes the, back? Are you talking about the, the hand with the lightning? Yes. Yeah, I I know you looked into it and you found one that was a um so it it looks very much like the um how do you call that? I forgot. Uh like the symbol of uh, the 38th Air Defense Artillery Brigade which you know, it's kind of, like it's definitely the uh section of the army that um uh that's usually stationed around like nuclear sites but mostly mm -hmm. in the pacific though so i don't know if they'd been in vegas but i thought that was well, i think i looked i think i looked into it after you told me that and they were stationed at fort bliss at the time and so i don't think they were in vegas and then also they was it was the wrong colors which a lot of patches like that have a, a specific color range and theirs was like a white fist with I think golden red lightning oh. whereas this one was a black fist with red lightning so I thought that was kind of strange um there's another section of the army that has an almost similar look and there's a um if you ever watched Top Gun the uh not since it came out that, yeah the squadron that um Iceman's in looks kind of like that one but that's navy oh. so it i think they completely made that one up um there is some pictures in the back of his office that one of them i believe was a b-29 bomber which a few of them still fly um i got to see one take off whenever it was repaired in kansas and wichita which was kind of neat and i saw the first flight in uh, several decades but um i couldn't tell what the other one was it was the c something i think maybe um couldn't really pinpoint exactly what it was because of the angle but we're like um yeah at the very least i'm i'm, I'm pretty is. yeah i'm pretty sure like we see the the plaque on his on his door that says like it's his name is general milano 
and yeah, he's a pretty, like general based on his character. yeah pretty sure pretty sure it's fictional like i couldn't find anything about yeah which again like i was saying i feel like they were trying to make this part as fictional as possible mm-hmm. um which is like i think it works creatively yeah for sure but uh yeah so back at the hotel um wyatt spots the western union and a light bulb kind of goes off in his head he turns around um, we cut back judith is in flynn's car they exchange the keys for photographs and negatives, which you said he had a d- digital camera. So um, I honestly hear, though, this is where I was like, that's what the hole is for. He's just going to shoot her and drop her in a desert somewhere. And, you know, CSI is going to find her when that airs in the 90s or 2000s. Um, <laughs> but oh, that would have um, made that would have made a kick ass crossover. Um, yeah, we'll have to yeah ask Danielle if that ever happened. Uh, she's our CSI. But uh yeah, so like, um, I was just really kind of surprised he didn't do anything to her here because he didn't need her anymore. And he's obviously shown that he doesn't care if he, yes, but else I along the way. don't think we've seen him like kill people that didn't need to be killed. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, like you know, she had her negative, she was gonna, booth and he didn't, yeah. Yeah, she was she was gonna walk away. Uh, she had, like you know, even if she wanted to retaliate, he was gonna be out of there, like literally, out of the time period, uh, really soon after. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't much of a risk to him, and she honestly had no. There was like no point for her to go back at him because she had the negative and everything, and she wants to protect her secret. So really, yeah. If anything, killing her uh, might cause more issues. Exactly. So, yeah. It's true. Um, So we cut back to the hotel, and that's when Rufus sees the advertisement for those dawn parties I was talking about with the nuclear testing. And that's when he kind of has his light bulb moment. So we're having quite a few light bulb moments here. Um, Wyatt is sending a telegraph to his wife in 50 years and the western union clerk is like you want me to send it in the future um but hey, it's he your pays, money dude he turns around yeah he that at some point that clerk totally figured out that why it was a time traveler but or he he just figured out that he was completely nuts uh but no it's just so um wyatt like, dictates the tele the telegraph to the guy and Oh my god! I just want to give him a big hug because, like, the like he's got mm-hmm. the teary eye, like, and yeah, yeah. I think th- even the telegraph guy wanted to give him a hug at that point. I mean, he yeah, like he like, was. Oh, you poor, yeah, like you poor yeah. guy. I think I think the the guy at the desk was somewhere between. Oh, this is heartbreaking. I'm so sorry, and like this dude is nuts. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he pays, and then he turns around, and Lucy's standing there. Yeah, I think so. I think like he kind of expects, like the way he looks at her, he expects her to basically lecture him. Uh, mm-hmm. But at this point, she just listens and, you know, she understands. She's not, well, like you said, her comments earlier, she was like kicking him when he was down and she wasn't going to do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she realized like maybe why he's been in such a bad mood this whole this whole time too there's obviously something going on with you know 
what's going on with Jessica or what happened to Jessica. But um, this is our sec or our time travel reference of the episode. He refers to Back to the Future 2s when they did that Western Union clip, which is when I think the Western Union guy figured it out. I think in 30 years or whenever that airs, 20 years. Wow, working backwards is really... You know how like whenever like you think of like 30 years ago, you just think it's the 70s. <laughs> but Oh, for sure. Ago, yeah. It's like 1993. Ouch. Oh, so anyway uh that hurt but um yeah so like you know he's watching back to the future too with his kids in the theater and he sees this and that's when the western union clerk is like that guy at the stands that one day that that was a time traveler that's his light bulb Um, moment (laughs) yeah that's his light bulb moment but uh also um this is where lucy last time when she's referencing Lincoln, she was, you know, she says it's meant to be, or before that, you know, she's talking about Kate and she's like, it's her day. Um, and he, here he's like, he doesn't want to believe in meant to be or fate. It's just all dumb luck. Um, which he can't believe in fate because he blames himself, I think. So like, if he believed in fate, there would be none of that. Like it would absolve him of that guilt. And he feels like he's supposed to be guilty about it or else he wouldn't feel that way. And so I don't think he can believe in fate um, with what's happened to him. But also, like, you have to think about it, like, that means he also went into battle with guys who died right beside him, and they were always fated to die. And so, like, yeah, it it would be very hard, I think, for someone who's seen stuff like that to not just think, you know, that bullet that hit that guy was always meant for that guy when it, it also could have hit me instead, like, I just feel like as a soldier, as someone who's lost his wife, like he cannot believe in fate. He almost no. has to believe that it's done. Look, just from what he's experienced and seen, if that makes sense. No, no, yeah, that totally makes sense. And there's there's still the survivor's guilt. Like if you believe in fate, it's like what yeah. makes me more worthy of being alive than these guys? Yeah. Why is my fate different than their fate? Like what exactly is for me? Yeah. And so, um, after that, we get Rufus cutting in, and he's figured out that Christy Pitt is actually the plutonium core of an A-bomb. And, and the stakes just to... got a little bit higher. Yeah, uh, that's when we hear, you know, the klaxons blaring of, like, uh-oh. And so we cut to Flynn, Judith, and Anthony at the base, and okay. they're opening these big hangar doors. Go ahead. There's the thing. Anthony's here. How? Mm-hmm. As far as we know, there were only Flynn I, I was and Judith in that car. So, I made that The note. fuck does he I come from like, right now? Did he... I was like, maybe he hid in the trunk. This whole time? That's the only way I could figure out. Okay, okay, okay. Like, yeah. how, long, how long was Judith with the general? Because, I mean, I mean you can't imagine there was a little had... something, something happening. Yeah, yeah, right. So, she wasn't there five yeah, minutes. Yeah, we had to imagine that happened. So, no. Um... Yeah, and so and, and they had a glass of wine car. before that. The, yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's kind of wine you don't just. Car. Yeah. No. Yeah, he wasn't that um, far either. So we don't know where he came from. Maybe he like, you know, maybe he's in the back hiding his little suitcase in the trunk in fetal position yeah. in that tiny car. Yeah, with his uh, rubber gloves. With his rubber gloves. <laughs> I mean, I tell Aju, my note says, what in the rubber kitchen glove hell? Like, how? what are you doing? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. 100% of what I know about plutonium cores or rods or whatever comes from James Bond. 
but <laughs> um I don't know much but I do know I'm that assuming. it yeah it takes more than a, a pair of plastic gloves to handle uh yeah. nuclear material yeah and uh, this is also though where I think it's Rufus says he doesn't know what would happen if they put it on the mothership if it explodes yeah, I think I think it's the scene like right trying. after, but yeah, it, yeah, it's it's like at this yeah. point, like everybody's so, just like, oh fuck, and like yeah. even yeah. Judy, like she, you know, she's at this point, she's kind of annoyed. She just wants to go back to to the hotel and whatnot. And when the hangar door like rolls up, and she sees mm-hmm. what it is, you can see the um, like the stair. And like it's the uh, David Attenborough, you know, um, note. Like, and at this moment, she knew she fucked up. Uh, yeah, it's very much her moment. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh. yeah, yeah. And you, I mean, obviously, she didn't know that that's what she was becoming part of. Um, well, because obviously, I, I, think I doubt she, she would have agreed question, to it. Yeah, would go back and change it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let you take it from here. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So back at the ca- the casino, like, so they they figure they, they talked about all the repercussion that um, that plutonium core could have if, like, they they have no idea what Flynn would want to use it for. Uh, they assume nothing good, um, which tracks. Um, but yeah, at this point, they're like, okay, we, we got to find them. We, we got to stop them. So Rufus uses his superpower to steal a card by pretending to be a valet. And, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they're driving towards the test site and they find themselves, uh, right across from Flynn's car on that little road. And Wayat decides it's the perfect moment to play chicken um yeah, which you know with point, an atomic like... yeah but also with an atomic bomb in the in the car right in front of you it, it's somewhere between extremely brave and completely suicidal and yeah both uh he wins Definitely. though he wins uh and Flynn veers off the road um and so this is the moment where the team kind of comes back together because yeah. Wyatt tells like Lucy and Rufus yes Lucy tells Rufus and and Lucy Wyatt tells uh, Lucy and Rufus to stay in the car uh and at this point it's like uh no no you can't do that by yourself like Lucy is gonna get uh like Wyatt you take care of Flynn Lucy takes care of Judith and Rufus tries to get the the core and deals with Anthony um mm-hmm. and I, I i love like when lucy says you cannot do this alone why that's at this point looks kind of almost surprised like you know he's the soldier they're not soldiers he probably sort of expects to do the the work alone and especially considering like how tense they've all have been but in the end they all come yeah. back together and I'm not sure who was expecting that at this point um mm-hmm. uh, yeah. how dysfunctional they've been for real um there's a gunfire fight uh it's all very 
uh, chaotic. Uh, Rufus gets to Anthony. They talk for a bit, and apparently, it looks like he convinces him to give him the core. So, like, Rufus um, gives him that suitcase they put the plutonium core into. Uh, Lucy reaches Judith on another time, uh, managed to get her safety. And um, at this point, uh, they're starting to kind of like Flynn gets everybody back into uh, the pickup truck uh, and they're starting to drive away. And at this point, uh, Wyatt kind of gets a clear shot at Flynn's car and he tries to aim, uh, I'm assuming for Anthony, but also probably for like anything he can hit at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Rufus puts himself between Wyatt's gun and the car uh, to save Anthony. And there's a bit of a standoff, but eventually they're away and they're too far. So what's done is done. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that whole scene, like there's so much happening. Uh, it's a very chaotic scene, but I mean, I think it, it was a good, it was a good pace for all of that because it, because mm -hmm. of what happens next, we weren't expecting. So, oh. you know, you think Rufus has the case they've gotten away but ever but judah's safe and then they kind of take stock of what's happening so and uh yeah I, I and this thing kind of calm things calm down um you know it's we're kind of entering sort of the more like epilogue kind of phase and lucy asks mm -hmm. judith if uh, protecting jack was worth it and judith answered that she didn't do it for Jack. She did it for herself because that's all she has. And that's really what we've seen through the whole episode. And, you know, fair mm -hmm. because at the end, like, she's she's standing by herself, really. Um, yeah. And she does. Uh, Later, she's kind of in the 70s. Exactly. It's all kind of being revealed. Mm -hmm. She's by herself and alone with everything. Yeah. So Judith walks away. Uh, I assume it's kind of unclear, but I assume she's kind of like she's going to the the car that Flynn's men left behind. So I guess she's gonna take that car and Is the that other. What it was? I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's very know. unclear. How did she call a ride? There's just a phone booth okay. in the middle of the desert. I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming that because apparently the you know they could have said like, can we? you know, give you a lift back into Las Vegas and not let you, like, in the middle of the desert, but apparently they don't care. Um, so I'm gonna... Well, I thought, th Wyatt, I'm gonna... isn't Wyatt's tire flat? The car they stole? Isn't the tire flat? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so here's my little headcanon for this moment. They let Judith take the Flint's car because, you know, it's working. And then yeah. they're gonna change the tire... On the car they stole. So that works. No. That works. Uh, but yeah, Lucy tells uh, the guys what happens to her. And honestly, you know, considering how much uh, like through this episode, she's probably been exposed to a shitload of radiation. So it's no wonder she dies of cancer. Um, 
That was yeah, my I mean, take. I don't know how much she was actually in Las Vegas. I know she was with Sinatra, like they were friends. No, no, Sam but Davis I'm talking. Jr., that's the rap. I'm talking with the plutonium early. core in this episode because oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. she was really that's close. True. Um, she's she's got a yeah, good dose. It's just the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, carrying that around in a briefcase <laughs> with kitchen gloves. I'm never going to be able to. A hundred percent of what I know about plutonium comes from <laughs> the movie World is Not Enough, but I'm just going to assume it's not. I'm not never going to be able to rewatch that episode without thinking of those goddamn kitchen claws. <laughs> um, hey, at least they went up to his elbow, to his uh, shoulders. So there's that. Yeah, they were. Uh, like, his arms um, didn't get that much radiation. Yeah, no, there's a cartoon where like the evil doctor wears those, <laughs> like these big. <laughs> you know 1960s rubber gloves oh god but yeah. um but yeah so all's well that ends well or so we think uh so rufus like okay let's let's bring the plutonium core back to where it belongs which how are they gonna do that because like how do you explain how they I... came in possession with it first of all and then or were they just gonna leave it at the door you know ring the doorbell and just run i don't know <laughs> ding dong ditch with plutonium that's a great idea um yeah, uh, the little notes you know on the handle um yeah. but also like at this point rufus realizes it's empty like didn't he had a hunch when anthony gave him the suitcase like it must have been so light well i think plutonium is like really heavy uh-huh so i don't think you can just like throw it around yeah, and like at this point, you know, it's just by picking up the suitcase that you realize it's light. Yeah. Like, didn't didn't you figure it out like earlier? No. Okay. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. But anyway, like I said it was chaotic, so maybe that's what was going. On. He wasn't really thinking about it. He was just thinking True. about Anthony and getting the suitcase or the briefcase and all that. And so apparently they um switched it, and it's not in the suitcase. Flynn still has the plutonium core. Yay. Yeah. Uh, um, before this, though, um, when Wyatt's asking what happens to Judith, Rufus kind of makes a comment like, oh, it seems like she had it all together. And Wyatt says, well, nobody has it all together. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like he's kind of talking is... about himself there with you know, whatever fight he had going on with Jessica and his big, you know, his broody move this episode. But, but um, to be fair, nobody's got it all together is the anthem yeah. of adulthood. Um, yeah, very true. So yeah, um, but I also feel like it was kind of a comment to that's how Rufus viewed Anthony before all of this of why would he betray them because he had everything he had a family he had this job like what what happened that it all fell apart I yeah think is a good question there too. Uh, but we after this uh, we don't get much more out of that we get back to Mason Industries where Mason is. Always drinking tea like a true British gentleman. Um, yeah. And we get the lifeboat and... coming back this time in the reflection of the glass on his office, which I thought was a nice kind of way to show it coming back. Yeah. And also probably um... easier reset than a million flying papers. <laughs> no, they have paperweights now. Um, yeah. yeah. They're good. Um, which I imagine like the, that the poor uh, engineer... Or like programmer that forgets to put his file like under the paperweight just when the lifeboat comes out. Like, oh, yeah. Oops. Damn it. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, so they they tell Denise about Flynn getting an atomic bomb and Anthony working with him. And yeah, she's not happy, which, you know, I get because you're like, OK, mm-hmm. cool. The dude has an atomic bomb. Great. Um, Big Bad Mini is an atomic bomb that can only end well. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. again, like a Ruf- comment here. Go ahead. Yeah, Rufus still takes his defense. I forgot exactly what comment he makes. He says, we're really starting to gel as a team, which is a <laughs> bit, uh, I think, sarcastic considering how well things went this episode. Slightly. Um, but why it does cover for him when um, yes he says you know did you get a clear shot or were you able to take out flynn he says never got a clear shot which wasn't a lie he didn't have a clear shot around rufus uh he just left out the part that rufus was the one who stopped him but i had a question here of why so they say that now anthony is part of the mission he needs to be eliminated like flynn but like wouldn't they want to question both of them so that's well, where it kind of starts like, hmm, like, why are you trying to eliminate him? Why is that the go-to answer? I could maybe see it for Flynn, but wouldn't you want to question Anthony? Like, it just kind of seemed very, uh, I called Wyatt a blunt hammer the first episode. I feel like this is very, like, the blunt hammer reaction. Well, I, I mean, feel like it's... want to question what was going on. Yeah, that's fair. Um... But yeah, I guess that's the orders, and I think you just want to stop everything that's happening, but you make a fair point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and so we cut down to the launch room, and Mason fans Gia and uh, asks her if uh, the same way she found uh, the location of the mothership in the past, can she do it in the present now? And uh, and Gia gets to work on that. Mm-hmm. And in another room, we have Lucy who finds Wade on a computer, and he's looking up Jessica, and his message didn't work. Uh, I think he says something about it still happened, or does he still mm-hmm. it still happened the same way? Because uh, I don't remember the exact didn't. quote. I just. Oh really? If you I look at the I didn't zoom article, in on what he was reading. Yeah, I didn't did. Look at that. Some stuff changed. She wasn't found on the Sunday, so like the day after anymore. She was found on the Thursday, and she was found by Wyatt himself in an alleyway. So we we don't know like where she was found or by whom, but it it doesn't mention. And at this point, the article doesn't even mention a fight with Wyatt. So. so- did that, the message so, like maybe worked, but it still happened differently? Yeah, which he doesn't say anything about that to Lucy. So yeah, if he said the art, I didn't even think to look at the article on this one because whenever he says it still happened or whatever, I just kind of assumed it was the same article. But that makes sense when Lucy's argument is uh, is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's if that's what happened I didn't even notice it but I feel like that would be where that argument starts to wear on him a bit which at some point they both need to be shaken in their conviction of is fate you know set in stone or is dumb luck 
driving everything i feel like they'd both have to be shaken in their conviction of that because rufus is a good middle ground i don't know that he has ever questioned that directly he's just said what if he said a lot of what ifs mm-hmm. you know understanding that it can change but um i feel like this is kind of if that's what happened i didn't think about looking at that i wish i had um but um yeah if it still happened even after he she went home with him that night then yeah like that meant to be argument probably will start to wear on him a little bit in the future that's interesting yeah but i mean also like the it doesn't mention the argument which like you know it may or may mm-hmm. not have happened but could it be like something else made her like not get in the car with Wyatt or something like that so like you don't yeah or, you really yeah. don't know what happened yeah well it's not just that it's like if you know if she still dies a different way then and we don't know what killed her from the first part of the no movie, and I, we, we don't even beginning. know it in there like we don't have a cause of death yeah so is someone is it caused by someone who's trying to kill her no matter what so it didn't matter that it was you know she was alone here or she was alone in an alley, alley four days later someone was stalking her to a point where she had to be like i think i think she, she still disappears in the moment they were alone they took advantage of her yeah i think she still disappears that night uh i forgot exactly what the article said but she's not fine like the day after oh i th- think i gotta check but i think it might happen like somewhere else too yeah like it's not coming out of a restaurant i i'd I'd have to look back into it but there's like some differences uh but but it still happens if she's found dead yeah if she's found dead we're assuming at this point it was murder is kind of what i assumed from reading the original articles um, yeah like it, so it, it's but if she's know, murdered yeah. still that means somebody is trying to do that and we mm-hmm. also don't know why rittenhouse is listening to lucy and wyatt and so that makes me wonder if something's going on with them but we'll get to my theories in a minute that is yeah <laughs> that sail a thousand ships but um yeah, yeah in the worried. meantime <laughs> uh after that yeah no no that's fine uh but no we get to like the the nitty-gritty of yeah. of things and time travel and all of that and that's really fun um yeah meanwhile lucy goes home and noah finds her packing a bag and she tells him that she needs to figure out some some things and uh she's gonna move in with her mom for a while and he looks he looks sad he looks disappointed even looks like mm-hmm. s- almost mad at the very beginning and like you know kind of tries like oh if it's about the wedding we can elope try to make things easier but in the end he he seems pretty understanding and he's just like okay take whatever time you need so that's where we leave them at yeah i felt bad for him here he gives he gives her a lot of grace i feel like because to him in the last two days she showed up late to their engagement party, acted really weird, didn't sleep with him that night. She slept on the couch, didn't remember when they got engaged, suddenly disappears, comes back and says she's going to go live with her mom, which we don't know what her and Carol's relationship is like in this timeline. For all we know, yeah. like, you know, they hate each other. And so I feel like he gives her a lot of grace 
and I feel bad for the guy because you know in his mind and what's happening for him it's just all kind of imploding unless he turns out to be a bad guy I don't know <laughs> so. but yeah it, it 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 would definitely be a little disorienting like it's she's literally a different person yeah. that looks like the woman he got engaged to and has probably been knowing for years so yeah that'd be yeah. pretty disorienting um but yeah uh back to mason industries rufus finds wyatt and they and they talk and yeah like can't say like rufus is still super confused and he wants to understand why anthony is working with flynn and he says because he asked uh wyatt if like are you curious like why this is all happening and wyatt just goes like I just like basically this is I don't know how he says it but this, this is he my mission yeah. yeah I I don't I don't have to figure out why I just follow the mission basically yeah which and, I think this is a good point where like that bond forming between Wyatt and Rufus is gonna start Wyatt asking some questions which yeah I think needs to happen and I don't think Lucy will ask them particularly until both of them are bringing it up yeah, and and like what uh, Rufus says, he says like without the why, how can we be sure we're on the right side of things? And you can see the wheel starting to turn in Wyatt's head. Yeah, um, he definitely like that. Definitely sparks a little something, and that's where I said you know last time that that bond of brothers almost where like Wyatt almost sees him as a fellow soldier, based on like them working together these last three days. Yeah. Um it's starting to come into play. Yeah. And uh, so we go back to the launch room and Gia has managed to locate the mothership down to the did. 50 miles. <laughs> I was like, go yes. Gia, go Gia. And then I was like, back off Christopher because she was like, can't you get it closer? <laughs> no, she can't. It's like, God. She found it. Uh, same 50 mile radius. And I don't know if you've noticed, there is like a, a clock behind Gia and behind like all the computers and stuff, which I think counts down the the time that the jump lasted oh that's a good thing because before uh like the the beginning briefing it's at zero 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 and at this point it's at 13 hours Mm -hmm. and 48 minutes which if you look at it that's probably about how long they were gone yeah yeah it feels pretty coherent too because you can imagine they were they were there like early in the morning uh yeah. if you look at or, that explosion like mid-afternoon yeah because like yeah. at the time like lucy's obviously in the morning looking at That's her yeah. scrapbook and then by the time they get in there and they get changed and they figure out like where they are and all that yeah I'm middle of like the day ish yeah middle of yeah. the day ish and then they yeah they get into the night so yeah that that seems to make sense we'll have to keep an eye on that for the the next episode yeah, that's neat. see how that, that works but it yeah it's, an airplane it's, for whatever reason it, that caught my eye the first time it, it like you know it's like obviously it's not a clock that says the time because mm-hmm. uh first of all it would be like in the uh, am pm form probably but like and it's also not you know 13 hours is 1 p.m so it's not 1 48 p.m when they come back so yeah I'd say I'd say that's the the length of the jump. Uh yeah. but yeah, once um once they say that 
they find Flynn, so they're obviously trying to get there, but we cut to Flynn and Anthony and their team uh, getting back into a car and driving back in the middle of the desert. At the same place, we have that little, um, you know, sign with like caution, there's rattlesnakes in the area. Yeah. Um, And we find out what the hole was for. They actually put the plutonium core in a barrel that they buried in the sand in the middle of the desert um and you know they make sure to get behind to just camp there for 50 years like what Uh, it's the middle (laughs) of the desert like gonna find it (laughs) by accident i don't know maybe maybe flynn did some research made sure that was an untouched area of the desert that nobody else was going to bury a dead body in the area and that it was going to be digged <laughs> yeah. up or built over in the next like 40, 50 years. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but I wrote that's the long form of time travel because there's a, you know, I love the librarians. There's an episode where they long form time travel uh, back from Shakespeare's time. But uh, that's also how Buck Rogers, you know, they mentioned Buck Rogers in the very first episode. He yeah. uh, he was trapped underground in a cave for 500 years. Uh, so, yeah, long form time travel because they couldn't put it on the the mothership. Rufus kind of makes a point. Yeah. Saying that. I guess I guess he was safer than that's good, yeah. uh, trying that out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And like we we finish uh, we finish the episode by uh, a nice uh, shot of them getting like a little extra dose of radiation poisoning by opening the barrel and looking at the core with the kitchen gloves once more for good uh, for good measure and opening uh, the, opening the outer shell to reveal the smaller sphere. Of course, of course, because you know it's not fun unless you get radiation poisoning. Um, but yeah, that's that's our episode. Uh, so what did you think about that episode? Yeah, so uh, I it's not going to go down as my favorite, I don't think. I feel like it was a lot of stuff that needed to happen with like Anthony and obviously that the core is going to be used for something and the team kind of needed to get into a little bit of a rough patch and the stuff with Jessica. Like, so a lot of important stuff happened. But I felt like it was like more of a vehicle to get us to the next place. I didn't particularly like it as an episode. Um, yeah, so I, I don't mean, think it's gonna go in like my top ten or anything. No, it's it's definitely like not that I don't like the episode, but it's definitely not one of my favorite either. Um, yeah, it wasn't a bad episode. A... Like I'm not saying it was bad. I just think it was a little bit like there was a lot that happened. Um, and they kind of broke away from the the formula they've used the previous two episodes, so I feel like that kind of is a little bit of a jarring thing too. I like the way it bookends in the present though, where it started in the present, ends in the present. But um, yeah, I just overall didn't. I wouldn't yeah. say it was my favorite one. Which which one. you know it makes sense because the 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 first two episodes they had like a definite historical moment. And they didn't use that in this one because Flynn wasn't there to really change history, he was just there yeah. to steal that plutonium core. So it's it's a little bit of a different one. Uh, you Which know, I, I do find I, out at some point. Go ahead. Sorry. 
you know, I do love Judy's though. I love the character mm-hmm. of Judith Campbell. Yeah, she's Ju- like Moxie, like yeah. I feel like even just all, for like, the she and Kate are similar with that the snappy comebacks yeah. and things like that. Even just for the brooding blue eyes, like that's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. Yeah, no, like I liked her as a character, and I like. Um, I mean, obviously, the costume department does a phenomenal job every time. I think. Oh yeah. So like. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not a bad episode. I just wouldn't say it was, I don't think it's going to be in my top favorites or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, any, uh, you were saying you, you're hoping they, they find out something? Oh, I hope they find out what Flynn was doing um, for the Hindenburg, like what his goal was changing things. And then also I hope we find out, you know, why he wanted to assassinate all of the people that night instead of just Lincoln. I think it would be interesting to go back and see all of his motivations for those particular moments because obviously this one's changed. This one's different. He's trying something new. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to see how that works out. And obviously we still know like Rittenhouse is... We didn't see uh, Rufus recording Lucy and Wyatt this time. Um, but, um, no, but I we can assume that's still happening from yeah from past episodes. You yeah. know, from yeah, from um, past. And episodes. now I have the big theory of I wonder if Rittenhouse had something to do with Jessica's death. Considering I think she gets murdered no matter what when they get her alone. Like somebody obviously is just waiting for her to be alone. Um, if it still happened in but in a different way. Um. Yeah, so like what's the point of killing wise. Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. And is it to push Lucy and Wyatt together so that they work together? Because otherwise, like would Wyatt be in a situation where he would just be like, Yeah, let's go? Because none of them are attached. I mean, now Lucy has Noah, but before none of them were particularly attached to a significant other outside of, you know, Lucy's family, um, which she was about to lose her mom. And you could argue like sisters grow apart at some point, but um, actually, oh, I say that, but I feel like my sister and I grew like closer together the older we got. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you know, she's not attached to a significant other at least at the beginning. So none of them were like in a relationship where like if they got rid of Jessica for whatever reason to push them together. But yeah, now I'm just kind of talking in circles. <laughs> I think it'll be say interesting. Anything. I keep saying that word interesting, but uh yeah, no, I think uh I think the writing is still smart here where like everything yeah. kind of plays out in a very we, nice, we, like, Yeah, every episode manner. we get like a a tiny like a little bit more, another yeah. tiny piece of the puzzle and then a little bit more questions too. Uh see so yeah, it's it's very smart yeah. this way. So I think last time my theory was uh Flynn might be her dad. Now I'm thinking Rittenhouse might have killed Jessica. Yeah, so. And obviously there's something written or something Flynn told Anthony about Rittenhouse. So I'm wondering what Flynn told Anthony to make him follow him. Because he wouldn't just do that. Like there has to be a reason. There has to be something. And it doesn't sound like he's being blackmailed. It sounds like he almost went willingly. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't really say anything. All right. Let's see as time goes by. <laughs> she, she's reached the point of the episode where she's zipping her lips. 
I'm like, so, yeah, I, so, I, can, uh, I can't, I can't say a thing and show you poker face. Um, yeah. So after this, I'm probably gonna go watch uh, the next episode, the party at Castle Lorlor. I am so excited for you to watch this one. It's yeah, so that's cool. gonna be if we ever like mess up a recording, it's just gonna be the whole like premise of me not having spoilers is gonna be over because as soon as I finish these episodes, well, I mean, it's it, it, it worst case scenario, it's one. Uh, I think we can, yeah, yeah, I think true. we can handle it. Um, but yeah, so um, before we sign off, uh, we do have our question for this episode. Remember, there is no right or wrong answer. We just want to know what you think. So feel free to, we'll post the question on our socials. Uh, if you want to get more into it, feel free to send us an email. Um, yeah, the I forgot the email address. Um, back oh, in uh, back in the lifeboat pod at gmail.com. Uh, so the question for this week is, do you think it's right to do a bad thing for the right reasons? All right. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BIT Lifeboat on Twitter and Back in the Lifeboat on Instagram. Rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps our show grow and helps people find us. And in our next episode, we'll be covering season one, episode four, titled Castle at Party or Party at Castle Varlar. And uh, watch that. Email us your thoughts at backinthelifeboatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we'll discuss your emails in the episode if we get any. Uh, don't forget to answer our question for the episode um, on Twitter or on Spotify for people at Spotify um, or Instagram. Um, and the question is, is it right to do a bad thing for a good reason? And then also shout out to our friend Manny who is editing and producing the show with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. And I, I think we're closer to two hours this time. So we're doing pretty good. Uh, thank you for yeah. listening, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.